0: Alright, so us simpletons, non former NHL goalies, evaluate goaltending. List you know what? I'll just speak for myself. In this fashion. Goal goes in where you think it should have been stopped, that's bad goal. Also we look at hockey reference and we look at nine hundred save percentage and say that's bad. That's bad. Frederick Anderson is having a bad season.
1: Yeah. This is actually the way I want to start this interview with our next guest. Uh, We have J.S. Jaguar on the line, Conn Smythe winner, former NHL goaltender. J.S., I once heard George St. Pierre in an interview say that he can't watch the UFC with his friends because they start to say things that are nonsensical or evaluate the fights in ways that are impossible for him to hear i wonder as a former nhl goaltender if it's easy for you to watch with friends who start to say that's a bad goal you got to have that one and you sit there going okay yeah he shot that uh 90 miles per hour and picked the top corner with a good angle but no for sure buddy you played what Phantom? Okay, cool.
2: <laughs> well, you know, even with guys that played the game, you know, it's hard to understand what goalies are going through. So it's, uh, you know, uh, fortunately, my buddies, were, you know, the, my, the guys I grew up with here in Montreal, they're all guys that played hockey. So they know enough that we can actually argue about it. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that likes to argue. So it's, it makes for always fun conversation. But uh, uh, often I have to defend the goalie. There's no doubt about
1: that right (laughs) yeah okay so let's go here then uh you played in this market i wonder how different it was for you when you started to either struggle or you had a bad game you're pretty good here but you know how different it was in terms of your ability to shut out the noise outside because it's such a mental position and you go from a place like anaheim where you're having a ton of success all of a sudden you're in toronto and again now you're in a place where People do know if you let in a bad goal, and people, if you do, are going to talk about it. Did that permeate your thoughts? Was it hard to keep out? H- how did it change when you came here?
2: Yeah, well, uh, uh, and it's already been 10 years ago, and I think, uh, Don't say you that. know, the first thing that you need to, know yeah, it's, it's it's crazy, but uh, I think the first thing you got to do is, is really you cannot, and you should not watch the news, watch the sports, uh, you know, uh, sports news, uh, read on a newspaper or anything that they say about you, whether it's positive or negative. Uh, so you get to shut down all the, the noise that's, you know, and, and really rely on, on, on you, yourself, your evaluation of your game, your goalie coach evaluation of your game, and maybe your coach and, and your GM. You're, most likely your coach will never be happy with goals you give. So you get to really, rely on your your goalie coach you know and 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 uh, analyze goals that you give and because you know some of the goals they might look bad they might but you know if you really look at it you know but this happens before and this this is what happened and and at the end of the day it it wasn't that bad so uh you you, you got to make sure that you shut all the other noise because as you said in the market in toronto everybody's a coach everybody's a gm so uh, you know it, it doesn't take too long to uh uh, for, for that to affect you if you read all the, the negative stuff.
0: What, what is the role of your teammates in all of this, right? Because uh, we talked to um, NHL defensemen the other day about how you got de- defense pairings that can yell at each other if someone screws up, makes a mistake. I mean, if a forward looks back at you after you gave up a goal that they thought was soft, I, I don't know, is that acceptable for them to yell at you? Like, is there some motivational tactics after the, after the game in the locker room? Like, what is the role of teammates when you've got a goaltender that's underperforming?
2: Well, uh, you, you know, obviously support. And I, You know, I, I, I really believe if the goalie uh, works hard in practice, is a good teammate, is a guy that supports his, his teammates and is a, a positive influence in the room. Uh, is is you know teammates are gonna accept when he he gives up he gives up a bad goal you know it's just gonna happen and the guys should really uh, accept it. If you're the type of goalie that doesn't work hard in practice and and uh, you're always the first guy out of the ice and you don't want to take extra shots, uh, you're you're a guy that doesn't talk to anybody in the dressing room. You're you're you, you keep to yourself. Uh, you know there's a chance that like, the guys you know are going to be annoyed when you give up a bad goal. But in a good team where, uh, you know, you have a good chemistry, obviously it's going to happen. Mistakes are going to happen. And, uh, you know, you, you'd like to see guys supporting each other. And uh, often you see a camera, you know, that's zooming in on a guy's reaction when there's a goal. And, yeah. and you, you know, you see the guy, as a, like, the, as he's disgusted in his face. It's not necessarily... Because he's disgusted at the goalie, more at what happened. Like, oh, yeah, we just gave up a goal and it's it's annoying.
0: So, all right, so how do we evaluate this, JS? Because I mentioned it, and looking at hockey reference, we're looking at five on five save percentage, and Freddie Anderson has a 925 save percentage when it's five on five which is not great it's 31st in the nhl and there's some guys with small sample size at the top of that page but like lower half of the nhl but it's abysmal when he's killing penalties he's got a 790 save percentage which is 70th in the nhl when the toronto maple leafs are are shorthanded is that simple enough we watch these games and those yeah it's not like he's letting in goals from 200 feet away nothing's egregious egregious but there's times when this this team needs a save and he's not giving them that how do we evaluate him
2: uh, you know, it, it, you get all those stats that uh, everybody uses every day, and I, I don't, I wouldn't even know where to look for them. But it's, uh, uh, you know, if I look at the save percentage overall right now, it's at 90%. You got to look at where the shots are coming from. Is, uh, you know, are the Leafs doing a good job in front of him? Uh, you know, making sure that uh, it's not always prime scoring chances. Um, you know, I have a tendency to think that the Leafs are really not that bad anymore defensively. So I would like him to have a better save percentage at the end of the day. But, you know, he, he, he still has, you know, a good 13 wins. And I think that uh, Frederick Anderson, he's at a lot of up and downs, but he's a good goalie for Toronto because he, he seems to be a goalie that's able to manage the pressure of that city. And, and uh, you know, when things are going bad, I think he, he seems to fairly react well to it. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I, I feel bad for him because I, I've been in, in a situation for a shorter period of time. It's not an easy situation to be in. But I feel that overall in the state in, in Toronto, he's done pretty well.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of parallels between you two. You know, you're an Anaheim <laughs> guy who comes to Toronto and starts off playing really well. And then right at the like difference in age, But, yeah, man, uh, of course I'm sure you see some of yourself in him. And it's funny, though, too, because I think about you as a big goalie, like when I think about you, and you would be kind of relatively smaller for this era of NHL goaltender, and yet when I think back to you, maybe it was just because you were really good, and when I started watching you play, it felt (laughs) like you were big because you were filling the net, but... This is the. Buzzer. I had I had
2: good equipment, guys. I had good equipment. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Guess what? So did everybody else, though. Now, yeah. like, that's the. I don't know if you read the Ken Dryden piece, but uh, yeah, he yeah. he outlined it pretty well. So, <laughs> I I look at Freddie Anderson right now and say, you're right. Everyone says the same thing. This guy seems to handle the pressure of the market fairly well, and that is very important for a goaltender like him. That the Leafs are giving up these shorthanded opportunities, and if you look at where most of the goals against him are coming from, they are in high-danger spots where guys have clean looks or they're cross-crease, whatever. But, yeah, Ben points out that stat. I think the fear is that this is someone who's had a lot of workload over the last couple of years, who's now like uh, 30-plus, and maybe it's a little bit of athleticism that's been lost. Maybe it's just that little piece for a guy his size where he loses a step And now he can't make the big athletic saves. You are someone who has seen a lot of them. Like, he is a guy who was in Anaheim. I'm sure you watched him there. You're watching a lot of the North Division now. Is that what you're seeing? Are you seeing a less athletic Freddie Anderson? Because that is probably the doomsday scenario for a guy that is entering free agency this year and also is going to be judged heavily upon the playoffs and making those kinds of big athletic saves.
2: Yeah, you know what? I'm glad you say that because uh, if I reflect in my career, uh, and everybody is different. We all age differently. We all have our our own issues as far as our body is concerned. But by the time I, I reached 30, 31, I really felt a difference in my in my athleticism. I I I got injured more often. Uh, the recovery from game to game was a lot harder. And by the time I I, I was traded or I I didn't sign in Toronto, but I moved away to Colorado, it was time for me to be a backup, you know. And it, it really went quick from being a number one to a backup. Like there was no mm-hmm. no questioning that I I couldn't support the the workload of a number one guy. So I I really like what they did here in Montreal this year uh, w- when they went to get Jake Allen. They really gave a lot of support to Carey Price. It took a while for him to get used, I think, to not play as much. Carry, but at the end of the day, I think it's going to help him a lot when he gets to the playoff he 's going to be rested he 's going to be healthy, and that 's what you want and then you have a good backup that can take over when things are not going well, and it also pushes the number one guy to be better so I, I think that Toronto should probably look at that too you know I think yeah, when your your main guy your number one guy is is, is, past, is thirty years old, you know I think you got to think you know can he keep up with those young guys is the game is fast? Uh, every every year it seems to be faster, and, and he's a big guy. So uh, at some point, for sure, your body starts uh, being less athletic, and you, you start to be you know the wear and tear of your 20s. It catches up to you at some point. So uh, that might be something that he should be looking at and the team should be looking at. Maybe they need to help him out a little bit better as far as a, a backup position so that he doesn't play as much because where you want your number one guy to be very effective Is definitely in the playoffs. You know the Leafs right now. They, uh, especially the way the season is going uh, with the uh, the North Division, is they have a real shot at it. They have a real shot to get uh, to the top four. You know, at the end of the year and in the playoffs. So you have to have a goalie that's ready to be able to bring you there.
1: I think they wanted that, but Jack Campbell hasn't been healthy. And that means they've had to rely on Hutchinson, and that meant that early on in the year they had to play Freddie Anderson more. And, yeah, man, I, I looked at your hockey reference page, and it was basically the exact same thing for you in terms of, dude, you played 65 games in 03, uh, the year you won the Smite, then 55, 60, 56, 58. And then once you turned 31, it went down to 46, and then 35 was your <laughs> career high after that, right? Like, it, you're right. It dropped quickly after your 30s. And I guess, again, going back to the fears are – even in a condensed season where he's not going to hit the totals like that, whether or not that Jack Campbell injury forcing Freddie to play as much as he did early in the year to the point where he already got an injury, whether you can recover from that in season. Like, can you give a goaltender who's already got that much under their belt from, you know, age 25 to 30, just some more spot rest throughout the regular season and have it actually mean that much of a difference when it comes to athletic recovery? Or is it basically already too late?
2: Well, I don't think it's too late. I think there, there, there's still a lot of hockey coming. There's still a lot of back-to-back games. You got to pick. You know, you just got to force yourself. And we we know that every game is important. At the end of the day, I think for the Leafs is they're already in a pretty good position right now. I know right now they're struggling, but it's it's a team that's going to find a way to win again. And and uh, you know you just got to put yourself in the playoffs, and you got to make sure that once you're in the playoffs. All your main ingredient, all your main players are ready to play. So I think it would be foolish to overuse Freddie right now. And and that by the time you get in the playoff, he, he's no good for you. So you got to make sure that you give him some rest. It's gonna be hard to do sometimes because you feel like every game is a four-point games. Uh, you know, you're always playing against your 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 own division. But you have to you have to find a way to do it, and it's it's uh, something that coaches you need to have a you need to think ahead. You need to think. Okay, I'm going to need him in two months or three months. I'm going to be and I'm going to need him to be in his best. And I know I want to really win this game tonight, but I'm going to have to give him a rest. And it's hard. I'm, I can't imagine as a as a head coach, it must be really hard to do. But you just gonna you just got to find a way sometimes.
1: Yeah. Hey, JS, this was really fun, man, and I'm I'm very happy for you that Carey Price has had a strong march because when you said that you and your friends are debating goals all the time, uh, I feel like. Uh, you basically had two months where your friends are texting you every time Carey Price gets a bad goal in, or sending you a little phone call, and you have to defend it. You guys spent a lot of time breaking down Carey Price bad bad goals, and now this was a nice. It was basically two months of warm up so that you could talk on Toronto defending a different goaltender and <laughs> yeah, trying to get, no, provide a little bit of different perspective, right? It, it is nice and
2: I, I tell you what Kerry was hard to defend at some point oh, yeah. I, was question, I was questioning myself at some point whether i should defend him or not but you know we he, he, you know he has so much talent there's no way that he went from being a, a, a great goalie in in at uh, uh, in, in Edmonton there and the, during the summer at being that bad like it, it's a you know you lose your confidence but you know he's going to gain it back at some point right
0: ah kind of hope not but yeah uh maybe uh <laughs> well, it's happening it's happening <laughs> <laughs> i know it is uh appreciate the time thanks for this,
2: this all was right great,
0: thank man. you guys take care you see you uh, JS uh, one of the greats uh won a con Smythe trophy yeah maple leafs were doing their best to protect freddie anderson by which i mean they had three goaltenders at the beginning of the season then they had one at one point they had none like did they want michael Hutchison to see the inside Mm. of an NHL arena this season no (laughs) had Aaron Dell uh, who's an NHL caliber backup at least and they couldn't hold on to him and and everything broken away that was detrimental to protecting Freddie Anderson now maybe with Jack Campbell and all these days off that's we can get back to the plan this was not the plan
1: it wasn't the plan but going back to the main things in that interview J.S. Chiguerre, I know times are different. The goaltending, Merrick, Jeff Merrick had a quote the other day. I actually saw it on Instagram and I, I heard it when he did Chicklets about how no position has evolved greater than the goaltending position. I think he said over the last 50 years, I'm probably misquoting him, but I don't have a Jeff Merrick brain where I remember everything that's ever been said by every person. Mm. It's true. So it has evolved rapidly. It, not everybody is the exact same, but J.S. was a really good athletic goaltender. And it fell off for him, man. Go look. He just said it. It fell off for him when he hit 30. Freddie Anderson's a much bigger guy. I think Freddie's, what, 6'4", 6'5"? Three, four inches taller than JS. Big guy. He's carrying around a lot. He had a similar workload. He played a ton. Didn't have, didn't go as deep in the playoffs. But he's 31 years old. And if he's not able to make some of those saves, when we're talking about you got to come up with a big save, are you able at 31... To get a couple of extra days off and that makes you your pre-30-year-old athletic self, I don't know. But there are are building warning signs when it comes to Anderson, especially when you consider that, boy, what we might be looking back at is the early stretch this season – How much he had to play, that he played more than any other goaltender through the first 20 games of the season, and that that might have actually had more of a cumulative effect for a guy that's 31 than when Freddie Anderson would have been 27 or 26.
0: Yeah, it takes an incredible talent like myself to be able to be um, Mm -hmm. performing at a high level into your late 30s.
1: Hey, it's uh, Good Show with Ben Ennis and J.D. Bunkers. I just heard our sports update where Andrew and I mentioned Mackenzie Hughes is a couple shots off the lead to open a tournament. Is there anything more Canadian in professional golf right now than having one of our guys as one of the early, hey, he's at the top of the tournament and then doesn't win?
0: The the ultimate joke that has been made, it's actually been Jordan Spieth, who's choked in the fourth round recently is that, man, these guys are going to kill it on the Champions Tour, which Mm. tournaments are only three rounds long. But yeah, Corey Connors is our through two rounds, through three rounds champion.
1: But Graham Dillette was that too. Yeah. We have a long legacy of guys who it's just like, wow, day one, you got to monitor it. And then day four, it's not so hot.
0: So, we're always looking for the next renewable energy source. You know, cold fusion was the thing. Are we still working on cold fusion? We want something that will mm-hmm. enable people to have energy forever and ever and ever. Are we and it'll just still sit there working like, on it. No, <laughs> I'm I <laughs> We don't need to work on it anymore because we have discovered what it is, what we can use. And it's just. Toronto Maple Leafs trade takes, because you had yours yesterday Mm -hmm. about trading Nick Robertson, Rodion Amarov, and a third-round pick, and Pierre Mm -hmm. Engvall, sorry, for Mm -hmm. Ricard Raquel, and we tweeted out the link to your video saying that, and it's still being responded to, shared, and liked, because... People
1: hate it. It's not being liked. They hate it. They really hate it. Let's see if someone who actually knows things hates it.
0: There's no hate button on Twitter, but yeah. yeah, let's let's ask Nick Kiprios, a former NHL forward, director of hockey operations at Line Movement, kind enough to join us
1: online right now. What's going on, Kipper? Long time no talk. I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Good, man. Minus as long as we don't read the mentions, we're good. You know?
3: <laughs> no, that means that you got to throw your phone away. I think.
1: Yeah, Uh, I've tried. Yesterday, I just had to do the old, uh, mute this conversation, please. I can only be called an idiot uh, so many times before (laughs) it actually hurts my feelings. And I found out that that's like 47 range. Once it hits the 47 range, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm out of this. So... Yeah, I uh, we've been doing fake Leafs trades now for basically two weeks, man, and yeah. we've thrown uh, as big a names as Philip Forsberg out there. We've gone a little bit lower uh, into the Eric Stahl range, although it seems less and less likely. If there's a name right now that you just like for the Leafs, not someone that you necessarily think that they're going to get, but someone that you really like as a fit for them, who would it be?
3: Well, I, I think, again, Two seasons, guys, regular season and then the real season in the playoffs. I I need a guy that can can play every other night, play hard, can play anywhere between 12 and 17 minutes. I don't necessarily worry about a guy that has great finish, a guy that can be a 30 or 40 goal scorer in the NHL. I just need a heavy body. The game's getting heavier, okay? And – You know, whether it is, you know, a a Nick Foligno or a Sam Bennett, I just need a guy that can play in my top nine that can back off the other team. And I can appreciate the skill of a Forsberg, but I'm supposed to have that in William Nylander. You know, I'm supposed to have that type of finish. So... I want a guy that can come in and play, and if if it if it's a legit top six, okay, but he better have an element to his game that can sustain a heavy playoff game that you don't see in the regular season.
1: Yeah, man. I think there's a lot of logic to that. We've talked to many people who have said that the team, you want to make sure that you have – diversity throughout the lineup, and you know, they they lost a lot. You can tell how much they lost with Wayne Simmons when he went down, right? People said it at the time, hey, not only are you losing a net front guy, you're losing someone who plays with an edge, you're losing someone who plays physically, and there's not a ton of other guys that do that, and so boom, you lose them, and guess what? Yeah. It also coincides with some of the worst games that you've had all season long. I, you're, I think you're right. I think that they do need some of that, and it's probably why Nick Felino's name keeps coming up. The only thing is, we keep being told that prices are sky high, and the Leafs are basically yeah, yeah. trying to set the market here for another season. It seems yeah. like you can't overpay for someone like Nick Felino with one of your top prospects, can you?
3: Well, we, we listened to Kyle Dubas uh, yesterday, and... You know, we talked about a little bit uh, uh, on my on my show yesterday in terms of, you know, maybe it was a little too revealing. Uh, I I got a sense of of a little frustration out of Kyle in terms of wanting to make a deal, certainly needing to make a deal, and then it takes two to tango. So there is a level of frustration that probably the prices are extremely high, but. You know, if I'm a general manager on the other side and I'm listening to this, then I'm going to hold tight and I'm going to keep those uh, prices where they are for the next little while because it sounds to me, based on Kyle's uh, press conference, that he may need me more than I need him. So I, I, don't, think it'll, I don't think the prices will drop until probably, and we've seen this traditionally, to the last 48 or 24 hours. But we know where that leaves the Canadian teams. If you're dealing with an American team, very vulnerable with the, with the 14 day quarantine. So it, 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 he, he's in a bit of a pickle here. And the other thing he has to do guys, and I can appreciate you throwing a, a, the name of uh, Envall out, maybe a first and a prospect. They got to dump salary. Okay. They've got to get rid of salary and the The first thing they wake up this morning and the first thing they'll wake up tomorrow morning is to say, how can we get rid of Kerfoot's salary? How do we get rid of that $3.5 million? That's the contract you need out like yesterday if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. That is number one priority is getting Kerfoot's contract off the books.
0: Yeah, he seems like the logical guy to head uh, the other way in any trade. He mentioned the top prospects. so it was unequivocal. Hey, would you trade a top prospect? Yes. There was no follow-up because there didn't need to be one because he said he would. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like, listen, if you're a Leaf fan, you are you love Nick Robertson, you love Rasmus Sandin, maybe you love Rodion Amarov, I, I mean, I, I guess. I don't know. I think the other two are in a separate category. I wonder how the rest of the NHL views uh, Robertson and Sandin, though.
3: Very high, Yes. That, those are the names that'll get it done, right? And again, uh, depending on who you bring in at five or six million, three and a half million, uh, it, you're still going to have to play with the books and make it work money in, money out. But th- those are the sexy names. The problem is now, Kyle's been around long enough that those are your picks and there is an emotional attachment to them. Mm-hmm. and he's just going to have to kind of let it go. Uh, there's there's no question that, you know, there's there's extra pride for a general manager when when you've gone through the process of picking and developing instead of someone else's general manager that did that work who's no longer there. But he's going to have to give up one of the one one of his own, let me put it that way, in order for people to believe that they're really serious about winning now. This is their moment. And depending on where you think their goaltending situation is, you know, Morgan Riley in another year going to unrestricted free agency probably makes this year even more of a of a of a microscope to say this is their best chance in
1: fifty plus years. I've been a fan of this team since I was a kid. Uh, I am able to recognize how important this season is for them to win. I, I've said it before. I don't think that they're ever going to have a better opportunity than this. They've never had one, and I don't think they ever will. And so that's why, to me, I, and I know that some people do, and maybe it's uh, it's stupid, but um, – I just don't care about prospects and picks right now. If it can get you somebody that gives you, you know, a certain percentage point higher of getting a Stanley Cup, again, like it just, it. Some franchises it matters more to, and it it's the, it reminds me of the Yankees trading or getting Glaber Torres from the Chicago Cubs in order to win a World Series for all Chapman. It's like that's a reliever, and you gave up one of the best young infielders in baseball. But guess what? Nobody in Chicago talks about Glaber Torres. You know why? Because they won a World Series and they got the monkey off their back. And I just I feel the same way here in Toronto.
3: Well, when you factor in this new world of uh, of divisions and the struggles, the inconsistency throughout the whole North division. And, you know, with the exception of Toronto, the last, you know, week and a half, they're the only teams that have shown a real consistency. So it's as you don't have to be, you know, around the game day in, day out for 30 years to understand that this is their best chance to to get to a conference final without going through, you know, your your main issues of, of a Boston or a Tampa. And it would be a much different feel if it was a regular season where you'd say, this team's good, but, you know, you get measuring sticks by playing the Boston Bruins you know, or Tampa uh, or some of the heavier teams, even a, um, a one-game regular season look against Vegas would give you some idea how you would match up over 60 minutes. You don't get any of that. And now you still, you know, despite this hiccup uh, in the last week and a half, two weeks, you still give Toronto the odds-on favorite to come out of this division. And then once you're in a conference final, you don't know how the other teams show up. They could be banged up. They could be hurt. Their number one goaltender could go down. Now you're in a sprint from the conference final to win, and you just need a hot two weeks. You need Austin Matthews to go on a hot two weeks. That can happen. And and now you now you think that it, it, it could happen for the Leafs. And that's what Kyle Dubas is thinking about every day, you know, towards this trade deadline.
1: Yeah. And... Normally, I'm someone who thinks that teams way, way, way overpay at the deadline, and I cringe at the teams that send out first-round picks or top-end guys for rental players. I just, yeah, like, the, all of that, what you just outlined, is why I, I just think that you yeah. do treat this year differently, and I think that's why Kyle Dubas is treating it differently and speaking the way that he is. So uh, I guess the, bigger, the biggest point of curiosity now is going to be how much the time period matters to the Leafs. Like, do you think that it behooves them to move on someone maybe they like a little bit less than their top-end, high-end of the dream board because the prices are so high, to just kind of move it down a notch or two and try to go get someone like an eye of follow because, hey, maybe they're more willing to deal today. Like, how, much is the t- how important is the timeline for you in terms of making one of these deals?
3: Well, if it comes to doing something or not doing something, 100% they're gonna to have to do something. So the timeline, you know, it, you'd love the perfect, in a perfect world timeline, you'd love to do something in the next five, seven days, 24 hours, 48 hours. But if it doesn't happen, he's, he's still going to have to do something at the trade deadline. There's no way you go in the last 48 hours and say, uh, we ran out of time, the, 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 the pandemic now with the 14-day quarantine, by the time he comes in, he plays, what, five, seven games, and it's too late. No, no, you're still going to have to do something. So I think, I think every day is a top priority between now and the trade deadline to do something. And if you got to quarantine the guy for 14 days, uh, then you do it because you're under the assumption you're getting into the playoffs and you'll wait for him. But this is, this is now, and, and I did get the sense that Kyle's, in many ways he's a lot more relaxed because he's not fooling anybody in his press conference to say, um, you know, uh, we're in this for the long haul. We're going to, you know, this is a program that we believe can win in a long time. You didn't get any of that. I mean, Kyle's smart enough to know that the people on the other side of the camera are smart enough to understand what's going on. Kyle probably looks at it more than ever to say between now and the trade deadline, you know, if I can make the right move, I can be the general manager of this team for the next ten years. But if I make the wrong trade, if we get knocked out in the first round, you know, I, I could lose my job. Mm-hmm. And that's—he's he, at a critical point right now. Like, think about the the narrative and the conversation. If by chance this team gets knocked out in the first round, they get run out. Uh, they play at Calgary. They play a little heavier. You know, Lucic and Bennett start running around. Um, you know, they got Brett Ritchie now who plays a heavy game and might be a poor man's Josh Anderson right now, but he's working his way up. I mean, think about the narrative if if, if the Leafs lose in the first round and where Kyle Dubas' uh, job security
0: is. I prefer not to play that mental exercise, but, yeah, it's a scary
1: one. I don't want to do that show. Nobody here wants to do that show. Nobody.
0: It could be very bad. If you thought Kyle Dubas was upset after the five games against the Columbus Blue Jackets, yeah, listen to that uh, media availability. All right, talking to Nick Caprio. So we've heard uh, the report that Eric Stahl, who does have a no-move clause, wouldn't even entertain the idea of the 14-day quarantine moving across the border and joining the Toronto Maple Leafs. Nick Felino, I don't think he has that and is a little bit younger and obviously a local guy as well. Not that Stahl's not, but there is the question about a guy who's into his 30s resting for 14 days, not being on the ice and, and what that does to his body and the ramp-up and how quickly you have to ramp up before playing in that super meaningful first round for the Leafs. Do you think that's a consideration for Kyle Dubas going after a player like Felino that he would just be on ice for 14 days and then have to get back into game shape?
3: I don't, I don't know. I, I can't see it not being a conversation and uh, a point of interest for him, but there's just, there's no crystal ball here. There's no way to truly sit there and definitively say that this guy will be affected by sitting in a hotel for 14 days, but this guy will be a lot better. The best that you can do is is do your homework. Do your research. Um, you know, ask anybody about character, off-ice habits. Learn about the guy that you're about to trade the best you can. And then take your chances, man. Roll the dice. Gut. There's no analytics that'll tell you how a guy orders room service for 14 days, whether he's stuffing his face with chocolate sundaes or or or, uh, we're keto-friendly, gluten-free. So just, hey, go with your gut. That's where the analytics can stop with room service.
1: If I uh, got put in a 14-day quarantine right now in a hotel room, I guarantee you I'd be like Ben Stiller in the last scene of dodgeball. Like, it'd be tarps off, eating the chicken or the turkey leg with all the ice cream buckets around. Uh, Uh, You wouldn't want to see me after I came out of that room. So you mentioned...
3: I, I, I was thinking of uh, Maca- uh, Macaulky, uh
1: whatever his name is. Macaulay uh, Culkin. Yeah, in Home yeah. Alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice exactly. Exactly. That that's a hundred percent me. So you touched on it, man. You said it. Uh, depending on how you feel about the goaltending situation, how how do you feel about it right now?
3: I, you made the decision right by bringing Frederick Anderson back. I mean, that's that's your bed, and you got to lie in it. So. He's going to have to be absolutely horrible. And then uh, Jack Campbell's going to have to come in and prove under a very short sample uh, size that he's going to run with it. But you know how far away you are on that. And people can dump all over Frederick Anderson all they want. But that's the bed that the Leafs made, and they got to lie in it right now. I just, from the very beginning... And we do know that there were, there were talks about Frederick uh, Anderson being traded in in the off season. I just don't know where the exit strategy is for, for the Leafs and Anderson. And I, I see no scenario where he comes back next year. Nothing. So it's just hope that he plays well, and hope that you win, and then uh, watch him walk out the door. It's there, there's if if he. If he plays well and they get to a conference final, he'll, he'll exceed the $6 for Markstrom, right? If he doesn't play well, they won't bring him back. So you tell me when there's, where there's a scenario that Frederick Anderson can be a Toronto Maple Leaf past this season.
0: No, there isn't one. You're right. There isn't uh, one. There isn't no, one, but you're rolling the dice with him. Mm-hmm. Yep, you are. You got no shot. But at least you have a viable backup now uh, if you could ever get healthy. Kipper, it was uh, great to, to hear from you. Thanks for doing this, man.
3: Thanks, buddy. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks. All
1: right. All right. See you, Paul. The,
0: Nick Kiprios, former NHL forward, director of hockey operations at Line Movement.
1: Yeah, we've been saying the Freddie Anderson thing for two years that this was never going to be a situation where he gets re-signed or he comes back with this team because of when Sergey Bobrovsky signed his contract extension and when, um, what was the other one? There were two contracts that basically led us to believe that it was done. One was Bobrovsky and the other was, who cares? Oh, it was Vasilevsky. It was actually the Vasilevsky extension. There's just no way of making it work, and if you look at everything, it doesn't make any sense for either side, I would say. Unless Freddie Anderson, for some inexplicable reason, wanted to sign a one-year contract, and after he played well and they got real close to a cup, or I don't know. But, again, that's not going to happen.
0: How do you you fit in the the one-year No,
1: I don't know how you make it work. Right, exactly. Um, Two things. You can't downplay the quarantine after watching the Raptors play last night. Yes, Fred Van Vliet actually had COVID-19, so you're not asking someone to do the 14-day quarantine and then also get over an illness and be looking for their lungs to come back. But if you watched the Toronto Raptors play last night and you've watched them play throughout the course of their season, you can't tell me that Siakam and Fred Van Vliet didn't look like Shells of themselves, and how many games do the Maple Leafs have after the trade deadline? Has it been said? Uh, what what is it?
0: Well, if you quarantine and yeah. you are acquired at the deadline and you quarantine, yeah. you have seven games. Left. Seven games. If you're like right yeah. out of the gate. You walk out of your your <laughs> your hotel room, which you've been in for two straight weeks, and right onto the ice, which is obviously not going to happen. Like, no. I think the most optimistic you can be is like five, maybe four, though.
1: Right. So. The way I'm seeing it right now is you got to get your forward ASAP, and that's why they're going to overpay, and that's why I have put so much potential draft pick capital into things because there's two other factors. It's not just about getting the player. It's that you're setting the market, and you're asking them to eat money in an ideal situation because I don't – either they're taking on the Kerfoot deal Or they're eating salary, which is going to cost you even more. That's why the price of acquisition is not, okay, yeah, Ricard Raquel, do I want to, in a normal season, give up that much for that guy when he hasn't been a 30-goal scorer, I think, for now two seasons? No. But given all the circumstances, if they are going to get that player and they do view it as urgent as it seems they do, then you're probably going to pay a lot more than you thought. You got to make sure that it happens soon because you cannot have a top six forward showing up with seven games, as you mentioned, to work himself in. That being said, I think that you can still wait till the deadline and make a a luxury move, uh, a long shot move. Like, you can be there deadline day and find out that a seventh defenseman for you dude, that's what is available for, for a cheap price and snag them and say, dude, you're doing the 14-day quarantine, anyways. but don't worry about it. You're probably not playing, and you're a break glass in case of emergency. And it's still better having you come in here as a vet than it is to have Callie Rosen or Martin Marincin step into the lineup.
0: Yeah, that, that I agree 100%. Yeah. That is going Depth to forward, be- too. Yeah, and and that is there's cap considerations, but you're probably yeah. looking at someone who's making less than two million bucks, and you can bury basically their entire salary on the taxi squad for you yeah. if you're bringing. And not
1: only cars. that, and not only that, you will know what your cap situation is with certainty at that juncture, mm-hmm. right? Do you you think- can you you either can or you can't make that move basically based on whatever the hell you do here with the right. forward.
0: But what I'm doing if I'm Kyle Dubis. And I get it. I get it. It takes two to tango, and nobody's going to try and help you out here. But we also talked to Chris Johnson yesterday about, hey, if this thing goes to the deadline and you haven't gotten your forward, lots of stuff is coming off the table because you can't afford to be as risky then with Mm -hmm. the total uncertainty of the lack of regular season games and getting one of these high price rentals into the lineup and acclimatized and seeing what you have with an impossibly short run-up to the playoffs. So what you're doing, if you're Kyle Dubas – is you're doing the Brian Burke thing before Christmas. You're saying, here's my deadline. I got a deadline. I know you got a deadline. You're looking at your calendar, and the NHL tells you the deadline is April 12th. Guess what? Mine's not that. Here's when Mm -hmm. it is. And maybe it's Friday. Like, maybe it's, hey, Leafs come back and play their first game in five on Friday against the Calgary Flames. If you do not, except what I've got out there, whether it's a Nick Robertson or Erasmus Sandine, because I'm extending myself. Like, I understand the prices are high, and I understand this season that we're currently in and how it comes up once in a lifetime. If, it, if that, that's my deadline. And if you don't meet it, like, sure, you can play chicken with me and see if I'm legit. But I'm legit, because this 14 days is a real thing. If you're Kyle Dubas, you 100% have already expressed this to these other teams that you have your own deadline. You're not operating on April 12th.
1: Yeah, but I think he's done that, obviously. Yeah. The other thing is, how do you feel about the idea of going down the lineup and getting a less sexy guy, but you just need to get it done now? I think that we're both saying that you would do that at this point, right? Like, if things do not materialize on those top-end forwards that you want, the Raquels, the Forsbergs, even I'll put Foligno up into that tier because I, I do there's some there's I don't think that you can give up one of your top guys for Nick Felino it just it's too much for me to say that one of the top three guys goes out the door for Nick Felino even in this year it's just oof but uh if they do it, I'm not going to be apoplectic about it because I, again I've already outlined the parameters and I do think he's an underrated player. But he's gotten, he's kind of fallen into the muddy conversation. But if you have to go below that tier, because I'm still putting him in that tier of that guy makes an obvious impact for your team. When do you look at that? When do you start to do that? Because I, I think we're getting. No, this is it,
0: man. I said I didn't just make up Friday. Yeah, Friday is kind of the day. We're getting back, and I know this player is not going to be in that game Friday, but the next week Mm -hmm. after this week is also very similarly spaced out. So we were talking about the four games in basically two weeks that the Leafs are playing. This is it, and this is what you're doing with your artificial deadline. You're saying, hey – These are the top prospects that are available in a big Mm -hmm. swing-type trade. And if that's not going to happen, Michael Granlund will be just fine because we have to pull the trigger on this thing. And that's how you know we'll be legit. That's how you can take Mm -hmm. our threat seriously because we're one move. We're one move. We're one significant move, and either it's one of our big prospects going the other way or it's not, and it's Michael Granlund coming in.
1: But this is what I don't understand about the Raquel thing, if you're Anaheim. You're... What are you holding on to him for, and how could you possibly think you're going to get a better deal than something centered around Robertson? I, I don't understand what I'm missing.
0: I don't know what you're missing, unless it's like a valuation from the Leafs perspective because his no. percentage has gone through in the toilet the last couple of years naturally with his line no, linemates no.
1: being uh, yeah, significantly yeah, downgraded. I, I, I It has to be that there's other teams that really love him and they think that they can get way more even from a team like, I don't know, Boston, someone else that's in the hunt to win a cup this year. Obviously, he's one of the go-to names. He's one of the best guys that you can possibly get. Um, I just can't imagine that those teams that aren't paying the quarantine tax to jump in early that will wait will be there with the same offer as the Leafs. That's why I, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand how Toronto and Anaheim couldn't work out a deal for that player no, unless again either works. Toronto wants someone else yeah exactly it's just and you get them for another year it gives you some yeah. insurance if you lose Hyman which I hope you don't but it does um yeah it's just not it, it makes way too much sense for me